What's going on, coaches? This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder is again offering coaches a free in-season football strength program. As you may recall, the New England Patriots squat up to 90% of their one-rep max deep into the playoffs. If your in-season strength conditioning philosophy is to just maintain, then you are doing it wrong. You can get the program once you start a 14-day free trial with Team Builder. Just reach out and tell them that you heard it from Rowdy in the RTP podcast. Or use the code RTP when you sign up for your free trial at teambuilder.com. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by our friends over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product months ago, and we have to say it's been a game changer for us, both uh, before the season started and now during the season. Uh, We especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes. Uh, Obviously, you guys know power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, and even a little bit of outside zone this year, uh, and tagging our RPOs in those as well. Just Play has a limited offer for rtp listeners only get my just play pro for 120 dollars, which is uh, an unbelievable 60 dollars off the normal list price this offer has been extended um, and you need to act soon before it ends get this deal at justplaysolutions.com slash rtp the best playbook tool on the market at justplaysolutions.com slash rtp don't wait go do it today on today's episode of rtp we talk with zach leonard Coach Leonard is the DC at Christiansenberg High School in Christiansenberg, Virginia. Listen as we talk with Coach Leonard about everything defense and defensive line. His book, Outside Shades, Make Your Defensive Line Unstoppable, is a must-read for those looking to master block destruction. You can follow Coach Leonard on Twitter at ZLeonard54. Hope you guys enjoy. Well, I, uh, you know, played sports all my life, big multiple sport guy. I love it. Um, but football kind of early on, it was whatever sport I was playing at the time was my favorite, you know, like, oh, if it's basketball season, I'm, I love basketball. Mm-hmm. If I'm wrestling, wrestling's number one. But, you know, kind of down the road, it became all about football all the time. I just loved it. Um, but I played at uh, City School. I'm from Roanoke, Virginia, which is Southwest Virginia. Virginia is kind of funny because it's it's kind of two completely different areas depending on which part of the state you live in. Up uh, towards D.C. and even Richmond area, you know, it's uh, big cities and stuff like that. But down southwest Virginia, where I'm from, Roanoke's actually the biggest city, and it's kind of uh, probably 200,000 people maybe, something like that, but definitely the biggest one around here. So I grew up playing here and played at a small college. Ferrum College Division Three. Um, loved my time there. It was kind of one of those things people either absolutely loved it there or hated it there. I'm lucky. I really loved my time there. It was awesome. Um, the cool thing about that was growing up in high school and stuff like that, our program wasn't very strong, and I really never got taught any technique or anything like that. So when I got to college, I just soaked it up. It was awesome. And that's that really made me love football even more. Is that something that you could then, tell while you were in high school, or is that something that you didn't realize till after and you started getting coaching? Oh, yeah, I have no idea. I mean, I honestly, besides offensive line, I had a really good offensive line coach as a ninth grader. Um, but 
besides that, like I didn't even know the word technique really, you know, it just kind of lines you up um, and you go get the ball, go find the ball. So like I said, when I got into college and they're teaching me what a block means and where it should take me and how to react to these things, it was just a difference maker. I mean, I loved it every step of it. I just soaked it all up. Like I said, I, I might have mentioned this. I've always wanted to be a coach. So after high school, I was kind of looking around. I uh, found a coach that I was really close to growing up. He was my wrestling coach growing up. He coached me one year, my ninth grade year. I keep saying ninth grade year because when I was in high school, we had five, uh, or I'm sorry, four head coaches in five years, if you include my eighth grade year. So that's the varsity head coach. We had four different ones in five years. So one guy I was really close to, I grew up with uh, wrestling for him, and then he got the head coaching job, but he took a job somewhere else later on. And I was lucky enough to kind of get a job coaching for him, and it was awesome. His name's Coach Clifford at Glimber High School. And I would just substitute teaching um, and coaching, and it just kind of, I just loved it from day one. I kept getting, you know, just one of those guys I felt like, I didn't know anything that first year. I'm sure a lot of people can kind of relate to that. You kind of know your position that you've played and that's it. And you just kind of build on it and build on it and build on it. I uh, bounced around a little bit now in the DC at Christiansburg high school. Um, I bounced around because I was a special, I ended up getting a special ed job at uh, Glenver, but I always wanted to be a PE teacher. I was a PE major. So I bounced around to get that, that first PE job, which I loved. And now, like I said, I'm the defensive coordinator at Christiansburg High School, working for a guy I love that's just amazing. He's a great head coach to work for. Coach, you talked a little bit about, you know, Virginia being almost kind of like two states. And and I've heard a lot about, you know, the Hampton area and and the the east side of the state. And we've talked to a few guys from there. Um, Can you talk a little bit about maybe the the impact being a defensive guy? I mean, I know you guys are are really close to, to Virginia Tech. And a guy like Bud Foster, you know, how is his influence and maybe even, you know, to the days back with, with Coach Beamer and you have a program with that kind of continuity and, and plays, you know, really good defense. You know, what kind of impact has that had maybe on the state of, of Virginia and maybe on your career, maybe on some of the high schools there as well? Um, well, I think he's just a fantastic resource tech since, you know, you know, Beamer was there. They've been doing clinics and stuff like that and they, they bring you in, they answer any questions you got. You can go to spring ball practice. But honestly, I'm a defensive line guy, so the big guy for me was Coach Wild. I don't know if you know about him, but he's really one of the best defensive line coaches in the country. You know, he's, he's doing amazing things with kids that aren't those SEC teams or SEC players and stuff like that, just phenomenal. So he's a big technician, but he also, he also loves a great pass rush. Um, so he's just phenomenal, and I've, I've got to – really watch him over the years, kind of talk to the guys he's coached, gone to a few practices. It's just been phenomenal. Um, I do think that they've had a great impact on Southwest Virginia. The funny thing is, is, you know, you hear about Hampton and you hear about those places. They have phenomenal athletes all over the place, some of the best athletes around. Southwest Virginia, we have some good ones, but just not, not at that same level and not as many, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But the crazy thing about that is, is we have great coaches and there's guys, there's teams winning state championships from this area every single year or, or competing at least. And it, and that's kind of a really cool thing when you see the level of coaching that's being taken place in Southwest Virginia. 
Well, I think when you get to go against that, that, you know, good or great coaching, it, it just ups your level so much. At least it has uh, for me, you know, where I'm at when we do get to play those teams that are really, really well coached and you're taking, you know, a few extra hours uh, to game plan or maybe even weeks to game plan those teams. Uh, it really kind of bumps up uh, and, and sharpens your tool as a coach, just going against those guys. Absolutely. I'm a big believer in competition. You know, I, I really think that competition is either a good or a bad thing, depending on your outlook on it. You know, if you're a type of guy who sees competition as, you know, win at all costs, you start, you become a type of guy who, you know, will cheat, will hurt relationships, will, you know, do things like that. But when you look at competition the right way, and in my mind, it's just about getting better. So I want to play the best competition every single week. That's how you play good football. And I, I really think that's how I coach too. You know, I tell guys all the time, we could get away with some things against certain teams. You know, if you're playing a team that you're just more athletic than, you can do things and make big plays when you're playing, when you go to, but when you play the, uh, I'm sorry, when you go to play a really good team, you won't be able to make those plays by doing that. So what's the point? Learn how to play against the great teams and you can beat everybody else. Absolutely. I, I, I love that point. You know, a, a lot of people would, would give me crap, especially younger in my career, and they'd be like, you know, why, do you, why are you watching so much NFL film? And I'm like, well, you know, my reasoning was if the technique is working with the best athletes and against the best athletes, especially like on, on the offense or the defensive line, where I think it's, it's so driven by technique, that if, if it's going to work at those levels, imagine if I have good high school players using, you know, similar technique they should be able to dominate whatever competition they're facing. Absolutely. You learn, you learn from the best. Uh, I think O-line might be even more important in that regard because those guys are going against just absolute monsters. Of course, they're monsters too, but some of those guys they go against, and you get good, solid blocks against those guys. It's incredible. Yeah, Wall's kind of switched my, uh, my opinion on, on all of that. You know, yeah, my kind of argument for certain things is always like, you know, uh, yeah, the NFL guys do that, but I got guys that are, uh, you know, smaller and, and they're not going to be able to get the same thing out of it as some of those giant NFL guys. And it wasn't till you know, Walls kind of put it to me like this, you know, like he just did and said, yeah, they're bigger, but they're also playing against the freakiest freaks in the whole world uh, as D linemen. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're way outmatched. They're way outgunned. The offensive line is to defense line in the NFL. And so if it works against those guys, then – then your offensive line, it'll definitely work against, uh, you know, some other high school kids. And, and when I heard that, uh, you know, it kind of started making more sense. And, and like Wall said, I started then uh, giving a little more credit to what's the NFL doing because, uh, like you said, as offensive linemen, they're going against, man, those defensive linemen in the NFL, they are un unreal. Absolutely. I mean, Sue, Sue's probably my favorite right now. I mean, he's just a monster, and he's a guy who can do both things. And at his size, that's just incredible. He can – pass rush he can you know defeat blocks he can stop the run it's incredible coach talk a little bit about and I and I don't I've 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 worked for a few coaches um and a couple of them were, were defensive guys and and I was lucky I think in my career to be able to work for those guys because if if I was going to coach defense to me I would build everything around my defensive line you know just like on offense you know I I would build everything around my, my offensive line. But I think the defensive line, and it's almost like you see some coordinators, you know, maybe they're a secondary guy. Maybe they didn't play the position. Maybe they didn't want to learn as much about the position. Maybe they think the position's too simple. Whatever the reason may be, 
it's almost like some defenses, D linemen have just kind of become like blockers for linebackers or, you know, hey, you know, you just kind of take up your gap and, and we'll go clean it up. Whereas the guys I worked for were always like, we're going to have attacking defensive lines and we're going to make these kids, you know, feel great about themselves, go attack the, the running back, go attack the quarterback. And those, to me, again, being on the other side of the ball, were the hardest ones to try to, to, to uh, you know, block, to defend. It's like, oh, my God, we're not going to be able to move the ball on these guys because this defensive line has taken over the game. Absolutely, and I completely agree with the, you know, the comments about coaching that you first made. I mean, um, I don't know if you realize or not, but I, wrote, I just recently wrote a book about defensive line play, and that's kind of why I did that is because – you know, when when you look at offensive line play, and you know, I, I follow you guys on Twitter, and there's a lot of good offensive line coaches on Twitter. Everybody understands how important that is. In my mind, if offensive line is the most important position to coach, then doesn't the people they're playing against have to be the most uh, important position on defense too? Exactly. And in my opinion, that's just has to be that way. Um, now, I will say I'm a little different than the philosophy you had right there because I am a read-and-react team to a point. Um, you know, when you watch the technique by the NFL guys when they're read-and-react type players, you know, they're kind of in that frog stance and they're not even making a step and they're just kind of waiting and reacting. Have you seen that? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, so that's a little different than how I do it. I play outside shape. I try to play outside shades all the time so I can really dig in and focus on the technique piece of it. You know, the more techniques I have to teach, the less able the kids are to master it. There are a few exceptions that I use, you know, some inside shade techniques and stuff like that. And we can talk about that if you want. But so we try to master technique, but I get in a stance. This is huge for me. My stance has to match the way I coach defense a lot. So if I'm a read and react guy, I can't have my butt all the way up in the air where I'm taking a huge first step and I'm getting right upfield because in Southwest Virginia, we see gap schemes all the time. You know, we definitely see a good mix of zone and stuff like that, but we see gap schemes just about every single week. And I don't want those guys getting kicked out and getting punished, trapped, stuff like that. So they have to be able to react to their block, but I also don't have them sitting back waiting because high school kids can't be physical like that. You know, you're talking about guys who are 300 pounds that are, can sit back on their heels and still be physical against the block. I need to take a fantastic first step if, if my guys are going to be able to be physical against the, you know, sometimes a 300-pound offensive lineman when I play smaller, faster guys on the defensive line. So it's all about finding that right stance. Now, once I get that technique down, that's when I like to mix those other things in. I like to do a few other things. And, and the cool thing about that is, is when our technique is very sound and the offensive linemen are, you know, thinking that and focused on that, it kind of gets them in the mindset of thinking, hey, we're, we're always getting hands on. We're always doing this, this, this. When you do throw in a change up, it's automatic. You know, that's what it seems like sometimes. You can make a big play almost on command because you're not doing it all the time. Well, now you're speaking my language, Coach. Uh, you know, offensive line's all about, in my, you know, how we teach it anyways at, at my high school is all about the first two steps. And so we've got drills upon drills and different way, things we believe to get those first two steps in the ground and, and worked and, and because they are so important. And, uh, you know, you kind of talked about the stance and then uh, as a defensive lineman, that first step in the ground. Uh, what are some ways that you guys uh, work that in practice uh, so, so that can be 
uh, uh, muscle memory type uh, of reaction when it does come to the game? Well, that's kind of interesting with us is because my first step, I want it to be the exact same every single time. That's kind of that react step. You know, if it's a base block, it's actually going to be contact step. Because, you know, you've got most offensive line coaches talk about getting two feet in the ground before contact and stuff like that. I want to, I don't want that to happen. I want that first step to kind of, if it's a base box, to get a really good piece of contact right there. But the funny thing is I never work the first step. I work the stance. If the stance is right, that first step is automatic. You know, and it's, it's kind of a thing where I got to play with the guys a little bit. You know, they work on their stances. I watch them react to blocks. And depending on how their stance, I have to be the one to adjust them. Now, once they kind of get it and they got a little bit of football IQ, they can understand, like, hey, I'm taking too big of a step. That's what's going on. Um, but, but to be able to manipulate that stance, yeah, I mean, to manipulate that step, you have to have a great stance. So, again, if your hips are too high, you're going straight upfield and you're not reacting to the block at all. If you are, your hips are too low, you can't even get out of your stance. You can't be physical. So it's all about finding that right spot. We focus a lot more on the second step because that's the reaction step. That step changes a lot depending on what block we're getting. Coach, what are some of your favorite things that you do then, you know, working kind of with your offensive line, knowing that, you know, you're, you're going to have to, you know, work, work a reaction to, to an offensive lineman. I'm guessing that you probably get some of your best work done, you know, either in pods or working with an offensive line. I mean, no, knowing when, when we're on the offensive side and we're trying to get a, a quote, defensive look, our offensive linemen don't do a very good job of that all the time. So what are some of the things maybe you do, you know, during your practices or, you know, in coordination with your offense to kind of, you know, get the most realistic look and really, really be able to dig in on that technique you're talking about? Well, that's, that's kind of interesting too, because a, a coach I was talking to actually put it perfectly. I kind of get rid of all the fluff drills you know every single drill we do is I want to see it show up in the game in the film so we kind of get rid of a lot of some of the running type drills that people do sometimes and I, I focus all the time on reacting to blocks now my philosophy on individual is a little different than a lot of people too early on in the season my individual should be the easiest part of my defensive lines practice that sounds opposite for most people, but that's where I'm getting all the teaching. So if I throw too much at them at first, they're going to get frustrated. They're going to struggle, and they're not going to ever develop mastery. But as we go throughout the year, you know, and it's different with every team, and, it's, and it kind of depends on how long you've been with the team. But, the long, but as you go throughout the year, you just keep increasing the drills, increasing the drills, making them tougher, making them tougher. And, you know, maybe it's midseason. Maybe it's faster if you got some experienced guys. But at some point, individual becomes the hardest thing you do because you're getting the best competition. You know, you go to inside, you're probably not going against the best competition because they're on the same side of the ball with you. You know, we, we do not uh, two platoons, so that kind of was probably obvious right there but you're not getting quite the best competition. But in individual, you are. And I can even set up ways to give you a disadvantage to make that drill harder. So to kind of get back to your question, we start, like I said, we work on that stance. And then we get in fit position. So when I say fit position, that's, that's the position we're in on perfect contact. So I'm outside shade. I have my right foot back in my stance. In fit position, my right foot should be up. I'm playing half a man. 
uh, he I pull him in tight to me because we just made contact. And the first drill we start with is treating that guy like it's a baseball. All we do is we take <laughs> the drill is literally one step, but there's so many small coaching pieces to it because we're learning how to fight pressure. We're learning how to get full extension. We're learning how to drop our hips. And, and we start there. And as we go, we just slowly increase. You know, the next way we increase, we might be adding a ball carrier. Um, we might be, eventually we'll add a double team. Eventually, by the end of the year, it's a drill that I call the ultimate drill, where those guys can see any block. You know, it's not even one-on-ones. It's more like three-on-ones, probably. They can see any block on any down and distance, you know, so they don't have keys that they can kind of give themselves an advantage on and stuff like that. Those are the things that make individual the hardest part of our practice and really let our guys develop mastery throughout the year. Yeah, I think it's it's probably, I would assume for a D lineman, crucial to get a lot of those uh, full speed reps, just knowing how important it was uh, as an offensive lineman to see, uh, you know, slants, you know, and, and, you know, guys at first, at least with offensive line, and tell me if I'm wrong, it's a little opposite D-line because it probably is, but the offensive line, it's like when you're first teaching slant, when you're first learning it as a player, it's like you almost want to go slower to see what the D-lineman's going to do when the guys that are really good at at D-line that slant across them and and blocking those guys, they just work their footwork, and they've seen it so many times that their body just almost reacts with it. There's no thinking, there's no – uh, you know, seeing what's happening, their body's just reacting because they've done it so many times. Is that what you're looking to get out of your defense alignment is is that they're reading keys and, and they're not even really recognizing it with their brain. Their body's just going with it because they've seen it so many times? Absolutely. It's got to be that automatic. And the biggest thing is your eyes have to be automatic too. You know, so when I take that first step, I got my eyes on the on the block, depending on what that block is, depends on where my eyes go next. But I always love, like I said, I listen to your guys' stuff and I love it. I always love when you guys talk about your primary rules for a play, you know, and how whatever happens, you know, we have rules to take care of it because the defense, the defensive line can move post snap. That's, that's defense in general. You know, it's, it's kind of funny. I still see guys talking about coaching a play like, Oh, this is how we stop power. This is how we stop, you know, triple option. This is how we stop zone. Mm-hmm. But, but I think that the real thing is, is you have to learn how to react to those blocks. And that's actually how my install goes. You know, we get to do a little bit of stuff in the summer, so I kind of take care of as much as I can in the summer about teaching run fits. You know, obviously guys want to do seven on seven and stuff like that. But I, I definitely always want to take time to just teach our linebackers and our D-line how to work together. So they should always be reacting to the blocks because, all right, this might be a power look, but we squeeze and spill and we're pretty darn good at it. So a lot of teams like to base out our nine techniques, say, because we're, we're that good at squeezing and spilling. So I can't just tell my linebackers how to react to power. They've got to know how to react to each individual block because one adjustment changes the play completely. I think triple option is one of the best things, you know, a lot of, or even zone option and stuff like that. A lot of guys, will run those plays and they say, you have this and you have this and you have this. Well, if it's a base block instead of a zone block, that changes. And my linebacker has to fill that gap right now because my D lineman is getting based out. So I, I just think that's kind of cool how you guys always talk about your rules because that's defensive play for me completely. 
Harper's always finding a way, man, to 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 make it a defensive game on the offensive side. That a boy, Harp. <laughs> that's right, and that's uh, you know, based on the nine and some of that stuff, coach are, is is really some answers that uh, that we like to, like you said, with power. If if uh, you know, we have the ability, obviously, to go uh, backside with the tight end, but if the nine wants to just squeeze his butt off, it's it's really easy to uh, base that guy out, and it's something we we've used a bunch. And and like you said, if those um, if those linebackers aren't, you know, aware of what's going on, uh, I've seen many a times they run themselves completely out of the play just off of one tiny adjustment that we make. Absolutely. It's just all about that discipline and reading your rules. I don't care what the play is. I care about your what your block is doing. That's not going to trick you. Now, there are some exceptions where guys will try to trick you, and that's really mean, and I hope you guys don't do that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but if you're reading your blocks, it takes care of yourself, of itself. Coach, it seems like to me just from, from you know, from the few coaches, D-line, defensive coordinator coaches that I know and, and probably more uh, on Twitter, maybe they're just the more vocal, it seems like um, a, a lot of, of defensive coordinators are, are kind of secondary guys first. Have you – you've been around defense a lot more than I have been. Uh, is, is that a – uh, a true statement, or are there probably more defense-aligned DCs out there than than I've heard of? I, I don't know that many defensive guys, so uh, but just the few that I know, the the probably the vast majority of them are were secondary guys first that turned into defensive coordinators. Have, have you seen that uh, as well, or or is it more uh, of a fifty-fifty type of thing? Absolutely. I mean, the big advantage for being you know either a secondary coach, you know, usually maybe a safeties coach or a linebacker's coach, is you get to be a part of everything. You know, you get to be a part of inside. You get to be a part of Pascal. You you kind of can go both places. So that's probably the hardest thing about being a defensive line coach is, you know, during Pascal, uh, you tend to be with the defensive linemen still. Now, I'm kind of the exception where I'm very, very lucky. I have a great guy I work with, Irvin Buchanan. He's a young coach that's just been phenomenal. And he kind of takes those guys a lot of times and lets me go be an extra set of eyes during Pascal. But you're 100% right. I mean, it, it is usually uh, the coordinators either linebackers or the back end stuff. Um, so, like I said, Irvin helps me a lot because he kind of takes that over. He's also a very reflective coach and kind of helps us improve all of our drills too so it's just amazing to have two sets of eyes on the defensive line you know so that's a big time advantage but other than that I think there are some advantages to being a defensive line coach sometimes sometimes those back-end guys get really pass uh coverage happy and they kind of can forget about how it impacts the box you know they want to do certain things but you lose a run defender and in my opinion, I know people are throwing like crazy and it's more than ever probably, but high school football, I still feel like we got to stop the run, you know? Yeah, I, I see, you know, uh, obviously there's great defensive coordinators or secondary guys, but I would I would say the same thing. I think uh, the thing that I see um, some of those guys struggle with the most is not being able to tie in their, their back end or even their linebackers with, with the – the uh, the fronts that they want to play up front, you know, and, and a lot of times they're they're uh, minus a gap or or down a gap because of how they play their secondary to help with the pass, and then uh, now they're minus a gap in the in the run fit, but they haven't 
thought about defensive line maybe enough or don't, maybe don't know enough yet uh, about defensive line that, that they don't even know necessarily sometimes how to cover that up. And um, uh, I think you're exactly right. I think the guys that are defensive line or maybe even linebacker first defensive coaches before their DCs um, kind of understand that stuff uh, at, a, at, a, at a more natural level. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and and like you said, there are fantastic defensive, you know, secondary defensive coordinators that know every part of the game and are fantastic. The one other thing I would add to that is sometimes guys get a little too big picture oriented and don't focus on the details too. Um, I think, you know, you guys being line guys and me being a line guy, you know, we understand really nailing down the technique of situations. And all the best coaches do. I don't, I don't want to get that twisted. If you're a good football coach, you're probably doing that. But sometimes you see those guys get a little bit more fascinated with the big picture of schemes and stuff like that. Coach, do you uh, – I'm always fascinated with this too. I mean, it, it, when you talk about like filming practice, do you have special angles or do you have, you know, a way that you're filming some of your technique work or some of your indie work? So your guys can kind of revisit that, or is that something you're like, you know what, I don't, I don't know if there's that big of a benefit for it for the guys watching it, and you'd rather have them just doing it. Oh my gosh, it's a huge benefit, and if nothing else, it's a benefit. Like, you know, even if we don't necessarily have time to show them the individual all the time, I can at least adjust my coaching by it. You know, because time's always, always a factor, but more than, you know, whenever I can, I like to see them or like to show them what's going on in film. Um, now, we're, we're a newer program. We've, this will be our third year, and we're really building the program. So part of that has been building up managers and stuff like that too. So that's kind of been a factor, um, you know, not having enough people to kind of film every part of individual and stuff like that. So kind of what I like to do on the defensive side of the ball, because, again, I am a defensive coordinator, and I want to see – all of it when possible. What we're really going to do this year, and this is a little bit different, is we're going to have each each position group kind of film at least one individual drill a week, and then we're going to come together as a staff and kind of talk about how we can improve those things, what we're getting out of it, if we're seeing it on film. Because, again, that's where I think football teams get better is when you're fixing those types of situations. You're becoming a better position coach. Great position coaches make great football players coach I'm kind of interested in knowing how you you went about implementing that I mean I think that's a phenomenal idea I think that obviously if you have the right coaches with the right mindset about getting better they're going to love that idea Uh, but I've heard coaches try to put things like that in before and have heard um, uh, assistant coaches get very angry about that and and pissed off basically that that the DC or the head coach wants to know about their individual drills. So um, how did you go about, you know, implementing that? Did you kind of make it a, did everyone come to that decision? Did you kind of uh, put it as a vote thing? How did you, how did you go about implementing that? So everyone would uh, be on board with it and, and um, see the benefits of it because it's obvious that it, it's going to make you guys better as a staff. Well, I have to give credit to my, head coach I mean it's all about the culture he's created there is no you know I'm the defensive coordinator but at the end of the day I try to make the bigger plan but we take ideas from every single person and the head coach is the same way and when you have a head coach who is ready to talk every single thing through and doesn't assume things you know doesn't just say hey this is the way we've done it he wants to hear from us he wants to hear from the 
the youngest coach on staff, the most inexperienced coach on staff. So that that part helped. And the guys are under. I think everybody on my side of the ball understands that the point of this activity is not to judge what you're doing, but to just find small ways to get better. You know, I work with fantastic guys every single day. They're awesome people. They care about the kids and they care about what they're doing. So by just having that culture that the head coach set up, we take the ego out of it. You know, I'm not, I'm not looking to demand what you're doing. I'm looking to talk it through and say, we need to have a why about why we do something. And that's a big thing for me is if you can't tell me why you're doing something, or if I can't tell you why I'm doing something, then we probably need to put some thought into it. So we kind of just set that culture and set that mindset and it's been great. I mean, like I, I have to give all the credit to the head coach. He's really set that up nicely. I love that. And that can be a difficult thing. And, and that's why I was going to kind of throw it over to walls is, is that's kind of was his whole, not just with that individually, but, but getting buy-in from coaches or if you're in a classroom with your classmates or if you're a teacher buy-in from the students, that was kind of uh, a little bit of Walls's uh, job last year um, as a, as an instructional coach, I, I believe maybe I'm talking out a term, but that's why I was going to throw it to you Walls is, is that some stuff that, that you studied on, on how to do that as a head coach and, and, uh, you know, to try to dissolve some of that ego with a, with a group? Absolutely. I mean, that's, that has to be at the forefront. I mean, one of the first things you do, especially like in, in schools, was like, you know, dealing with PLCs and having to work with, with people within your, your department. If you, were, if you weren't going to have that, you know, that team camaraderie or the ability to, to have those conversations. And co I love what Coach said about, you know, being able to take the ego out of it. And, and, and decide that it's not an attack on your teaching style. It's not an attack on, on your indie drills. It's not an attack on you as a coach. It's, it's like, hey, man, we're, we're all looking for ways to get better. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a D-line thing that I'm coaching as the D.C. It doesn't matter if it's the, the free safety and, and his landmark, whatever it might be. You know, understanding that none of us are perfect and we're, we're all going to get critiqued and we're all going to try to find ways that, that we want to get better. I think it's, it's almost imperative. I think, you know, some people, maybe they're, they're just too worried about stepping on each other's toes or, you know, everybody's kind of autonomous, I think, for the most part in, in coaching, it seems like. And, and I think maybe it just kind of gets tossed to the side and it's like, you know what, we don't need to watch practice film together. You know, we don't need to, to watch this, this indie drill t together and, and just kind of assume that, that everybody's, quote, okay. Uh, we're not. <laughs> So I, I love it. I think it's, it's great. I, I, was gonna, I was just going to tell a story. When I went to Nebraska, and I'd never sat in on a defensive meeting before, but being able to sit with Coach Shenander and, and with the whole staff and watch them breaking it down and listen to some of the conversations he'd be having, he'd be like, hey, Coach, we're, you know, we're having a problem with, with this guy. You know, what, what are some things we're doing to fix that? And it was a cool conversation because he's like, hey, you know, well, here's what we're working on in Indy, coach. We, do, we actually did this today. He's like, okay, good. You need any help with that because he's a walk-around D coordinator. And he's like, yeah, that'd be awesome. So, I mean, if they're doing it at the highest levels, why aren't we doing it in high school? Absolutely. I completely – I love that idea. And it's probably just me being selfish that I kind of spend more time with the defensive line because I just love it. I mean, that, that's probably the best thing to do, to just be able to float around and help everybody when you can. It, it's incredible. Coach, since, since you said, you know, you don't do the two platoon and, and you're sharing a bunch of guys on offense and defense, I would assume uh, it's a little bit more crucial. But uh, have, you, have you guys tried to um, marry up 
maybe what you guys call things uh, as far as the offense and the defensive of side of coaches uh, so it can stick a little bit easier for your players uh, as far as, you know, whatever. If you're calling cover two, you know, whatever, match, you're not cover, calling it cover six and, the, and the, um, you know, the offense is calling it something completely different. Are you guys trying to marry up all those, those same things you guys are calling things uh, for the kids? Is that conversations you guys have had or – or kind of how does that go for you guys? Yeah, that's actually one of the things we're trying to get better at. We, we've Some things are kind of set in stone and we're good on, but we're trying to marry it more and more as we go. You know, trying not to change too much right at first for any one side of the ball, but kind of just trying to make the transition a little as we go because I, I think that is the way to go. I mean, it, it's the it makes it easier for everybody involved. Um, but coverage-wise, we're, we're doing that. Um, fronts we're doing that but some of the plays we haven't done in the past so that's something we're trying to work towards because you know they have offensive guys have specific names for the plays and I just got in a bad habit of calling them what they were you know like the 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 normal name for them instead of going with what the uh, offensive coaches were calling them as their call right. if that makes sense so that's something I got to get a little bit better at for sure yeah it's definitely something that um I think it's a tough thing because you know it's something that that coach has got to actually learn I mean if it's something that you've done for 15 years and you've always called it one thing well, there might be an offensive guy that's the same way he's always called it one thing for 15 years and now there's gonna have to be some compromise and either way someone's gonna have to learn something new and it's it's difficult to reteach yourself something if you called it that same thing. But like you said, for the betterment of the kids, it's something that I think uh, at, at every level is, is, is important to be able to do. Yeah, and the, the biggest issue for me with it has been that a lot of times, especially for my walkthrough run fits, because we do a lot of that, because I think, you know, the mind of a football player is – probably the most important thing. They have to understand where they fit. They have to understand where they're going. So we do a lot of walk-through runs, especially this time of year. Um, while I'm doing that, I actually just give signals to the offensive line. So I give, you know, a base block signal that kind of gives us an ISO look across the board, and I just I just point where I want the fullback to ISO through. I, I start with that a lot of times because, you know, that's our base gaps, but it's also one of the hardest things for us because I like to play on, you know, I play fast linebackers who are sometimes undersized so you know we really gotta work against those uh isos because people try to take advantage of that with us um so as i'm signaling it's just hard to think of you know the right signal for going to the right or going to the left where it's just easy for me if i'm throwing up power i throw up a flexed arm and i'm saying power that way you know what i mean it's just easy fast and keeps everybody on the same page. But I do think there's some room for me to improve that for sure. Coach, I was going to ask you, um, you know, how, how many, one, how many different, you know, block reads do your guys have to learn? Um, and then the second, second part of that is, and it's one thing I've really been trying to work on this year is like, you know, when I, when I ask my guys questions, right. You know, so rather than asking them, you know, like for instance, what kind of block was that? And the kid says base block. I've tried to ask better questions with my, my receivers and secondary guys of what's your technique or, you know, what's your footwork. So trying to kind of take it to that next level, like my, here's what my eyes saw, what should I be doing? Uh, is that, is that something you've also been doing? So, I mean, that's like, it's a two part question, you know, 
one, how many, how many different blocks are you guys having to read and recognize? And then what are some of the questions you're asking your guys, especially during that Indian teach period? Well, I, I'm a, I have a few more than a lot of people do because, you know, a lot of people go with that, you know, block away, block two situation. But, but I don't think that quite gets the mastery for those reach blocks. When you're treating a, a lot of guys do that, but they're kind of trying to treat a reach block exactly like a base block. And to me, that just doesn't quite work out 100% of the time. You know what I mean? So, so I do base block, down block, um, you know, then you add in stuff. So down block, zone away, because uh, it's a zone, but it would look like a down block to that guy. So I don't make it too complicated for that. It's going to look just like a down block. Um, then, you know, down block with a kick out, stuff like that. Even down block with speed option, which, you know, will squeeze initially and have to come back out on that quarterback and be inside out on that quarterback. Um, so, you know, there's that. There's reach blocks. There's pass set. Um, double teams, different types of double teams. So, you know, you got the gap scheme double team. You got multiple types of zone double teams. Um, the cool thing is, is when you get really good at playing that post, um, you know, it kind of limits how many double teams you can get. Because when you're playing that, you know, some double teams look like a normal reach block by your post. So that should end up not being a double team because you're going to beat the reach block, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. So those are probably the main blocks. You know, we talk about folds and stuff like that. But the cool thing is, is those end up still being a down block, mm -hmm. you know. So we try to make it as simple as possible without becoming too simplistic, if, if that makes sense. Coach, yeah, it definitely does. Are, are you guys teaching um, or do you teach that back block? That, so, you know, you guys see a lot of power. Center obviously is, is blocking back, which some people call it blocking uh, a down block or, or, you know, whatever. Are you teaching those guys anything different than you would be a front side shade getting a down block from a guard? Are you teaching them anything specific for if the center's blocking back? Uh, absolutely. So, Let's just assume a one technique. Does that work? Sure. So if the power is going away from the one technique to him, that feels like a base block. Does that make sense? Okay. Mm -hmm. So so that's that's different. So a down block to me is always going inside, closer to the ball. So base block is always basing him out, trying to open up the gap inside. So it's going to feel like a base block to him. Um, so in that regard, it is different because when the play side guys get a true down block, that guy's going inside, we're squeezing right now, taking away those angles against the linebackers and stuff like that. Are you teaching those guys to, to work across center's faces or, or, or you know, round the hoop or uh, anything specific for it being a center? Or are they treating it like a base block just like they would if they were a, a three technique against a guard or a tackle base blocking them? Um, we treat it just like a base block. Um, we patch across, but, you know, <laughs> the patching across is such a hard thing to me is because – you don't want to coach a guy out of being aggressive and you don't want, but you can't just let him go too soon either. You know right. what I mean? We got to yeah. play our gap first. So I really like to teach with stories. You know, I like to have a few little stories that really drive points home. So I always tell the kids, you know, I started uh, uh, my freshman year at Ferrum at defensive end and we were playing an athletic team, especially to me, you know, 
that technique was big to me because these offensive linemen are literally telling me where the play is going because I read them right now and I run. You know, so that helped me a lot. But this team was very athletic. I got a base block. I peeked in for, I mean, I swear to you, Coach, just a second. That guy bounced it out on me, took it to the house, and we lost by six points. You know, so I think by always emphasizing that story, I'm trying to teach the guys the right thing. Now, I want them to be aggressive. I want them to help make time. One way I kind of talk about it is, you know, if that guy's in the hole, and it is a little different with pulls and stuff like that, so I'll get to that in a second. But if that guy is hitting your hole, you want to fall in and make a tackle on the line of scrimmage. you got to wait until he's definitely committed. Now, with pulls, you can kind of be a little bit faster sometimes, you know, especially if you're playing that power team and you see flows, flows kind of going away. We can, we can patch a little bit faster because he's not going to be able to cut all the way back a lot of times. You know, and my defensive end's coming as well. So I really – different than some some uh, defensive coordinators, I use the linebackers and the D-line very aggressively. I want them to run, and a lot of times I let the back-end guys take care of cutbacks sometimes. We're too high. The backside safety gets the run read. He should be coming down expecting counter every single time if it's a run read. So hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, it Coach. does. And, and, and like you said, I, I think that uh, especially we run a lot of pin and pull, not a lot, but we run some pin and pull. And I think that's the most difficult uh, for us is, is learning the difference in that down block as opposed to power because we do the really well-coached um, D linemen, I think, do patch so well across because they see that guard now pulling uh, play side as, a, as opposed to, um, you know, skip pulling for power. And now they – tackles thing and it's a down heavy down block and now he patched across his face and and uh it's a tough thing to to teach offensive linemen when those defensive linemen are good at that on that front side of pin pull absolutely and that's definitely something i we coach a lot you know just to add one more block into what we were talking about that's a little bit farther down the line for us because like i said that's kind of my install it's going by blocks and working my way up but when you're a three technique and that tackle goes to block down and you see your guard pulling outside that's something you have to work because kids aren't ready for that a lot of times right coach uh, so how, how about um how about on your pin and pull is that kind of a I don't want to say that's like it's not physical but is that a little bit of a less physical block because of that or it's a way it? it's a way less physical block and yes. and in the the inside step is is really what we got to teach more um, it, you know, what's hard is, uh, in a gap scheme, we don't want to, in most gap schemes, we don't want to give up any penetration inside. And so it's a heavy step down. Don't give up penetration inside. If he wants to play outside of you, you've got someone else, you know, blocking their inside gap. And so they're going to help you where here, if we get, as long as we don't get too much penetration in our inside gap, we should be okay. So, uh, with that first step, it's more of a, um, uh, of a straight ahead step almost than it would be. Uh, down heavy into the three technique. You know, if I'm the tackle, I'm I'm almost just stepping straight ahead and accelerating through his outside shoulder because, like you said, any good defense alignment, they read that guard pulling outside. Now they're going to start fighting that way. Uh, we got to try to get it pinned pinned off. Uh, obviously, the the big thing you always get nervous of is is you got to know what the D line is. If it's a D line, it's going to be a penetrating D line. Now you do have to be a little heavier down uh and then just have a really good outside hand but if it's going to be a team that that reads then yeah you, you 
definitely have got to be way less aggressive on that block. And, and even you can get into, I think, a little bit of turning your butt a little bit more than, than we would like on other plays. Yeah, kind of asking him to backdoor it, right? Right, right, yeah. If he wants to play through the inside, that's fine. As long as we get a, enough of a hand on him, he shouldn't make that play with, with where it's going. In theory, I guess. Oh, yeah. If he's making really that good. play, your, your, your running backs might be a little slow if he's making that play. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. That's but that kind of brings me back to what we were talking about earlier where, you know, because we are a read and react team, I can mix in a call like that that, you know, can kind of confuse offensive linemen because they're thinking of my guys as read and react guys. So it's kind of that, that little bit of a chess match where I kind of like to be, you know, 80% base and kind of mix in the other stuff a little bit as we go. You know, and if we got a really good defense alignment, uh, it's probably not the nicest thing we do, but we'll actually uh, – we'll, we'll pull and we'll cut down with – like if it was a shade uh, and, and that shade's just a, an ass kicker, um, you know, we'll pull with the center and cut with the guard instead of, of basing down just to give them a, a completely different look. Oh, yeah, that's definitely a tough one for sure. Coach, I was going to ask you about, like, uh, pass rush. Is that something that, you know, you have, you know, a couple of different moves that everybody learns, or is that something where you're like, okay, I'm going I'm to have a completely different skill set for, for the kids that I have that year, and, and you allow it to maybe kind of work its natural course, and then you, you maybe coach up points there as you go? Uh, <laughs> this is not a good answer, but kind of both. Um, yeah. We teach more than I want a guy to use if that makes sense. You know, I yeah. might teach six, seven pass rush moves, and then I try to get guys to fine-tune and find what works for them. I'm big on having a plan. So depending on what type of rusher you are, that should impact the rest of your plan as well. So I don't think you need much as an individual, but different individuals need different things. Still don't want to give them too many – too many things to think about and then you kind of get that uh thing where you're always trying to choose the best pass rush move the best pass rush move is the one that you have a plan for that perfectly complements what you do already so just a quick example you know again i try to play i think the best way two things the best way to get a pass rush is to stop the run and put them in situations where you know they're going to pass and the other way to get a great pass rush is having good athletes on the field Try to get the best athlete. In college, I played six technique and a little bit of four technique. I love that position. I could make, I could stop the run all across the field. But by being that type of player, I wasn't necessarily the best pass rusher. You know, I wasn't necessarily the fastest guy or whatever. By playing outside shades, I feel like that allows me to play those faster guys who can naturally get a great speed rush. Um, so if you have a guy who's getting off the rock, you know, has a really good speed rush, then that's going to usually don't want to send the O-line guys, but that's usually going to change how the O-line guys are reacting to you. So that they start getting a little higher and they put their pass set. They try to get out there really fast. Now, all of a sudden, a good speed rush can turn into a fantastic physical full on block, uh, bull rush or, you know, the straight arm technique whatever right so when you put those things together it becomes really hard to stop coach and yeah the, like the straight arm move as well the straight arm technique it should be illegal that's you're exactly right that one stinks i hate having to block that 
because like you said, uh, you know, you said no offense, but you're exactly right. It's uh, you get a real athlete out there and you're a tackle, your, your technique changes. It shouldn't, but you just can't hardly help it. Uh, and then if, like you said, if they've got a really good, whatever their changeup is to that, uh, whether it's a good inside move or they go to the, um, the one arm or, or, you know, kind of the throw over with the shoulder, um, and they're good at that, that other move, man, it gets really, really deadly, really, really quick. Absolutely. I think if you have three moves that you're pretty good with, you can kind of keep that offensive lineman off balance all day. You know what I mean? It's only three moves, so you still have time to master it and get really, really good, but you have something for all these situations. I do have something new that we've been doing for pass rush, if you want to hear about that. Yep, absolutely. Um, so I don't, I feel dumb that I haven't thought about this in the past, but you know, you watch all these one-on-one videos and all these camps and stuff like that. And for some reason, the way most people drill their pass rush and they do one-on-ones and whatever, is they have a bag or somebody standing at that quarterback spot, who's not moving, you know, that is not realistic at all. So just a small change we've been making is, you know, we still do, you know, what some people would call probably skill acquisition, where we're learning the moves and stuff like that. But anytime we're drilling at all, I want a quarterback in there. I want us reacting to that guy because the worst feeling is to, you know, we stop the run twice. We're in a third and long situation. My guys get off the ball, get a great pass rush, but they're up the field. And, you know, it doesn't even have to be an athletic guy, <laughs> you know, a uh, uh, a tall, lumbering-type quarterback steps up in the pocket and gets an easy first down. That is a terrible feeling. So, you know, the way I've been teaching it now is we, you know, our base rush is four defense alignment. If there's only five offense alignment, that's six gaps. So we have to be responsible for a gap and a half. We just have to. So, say, my five technique that has a one technique or a two-eye inside, um, they have to be able to react back into that B gap if they see that quarterback stepping up. Just one of those things I think is so silly that I've never really worked my moves with the quarterback, but our eyes have to be on that guy every single time. I I love that a lot. And uh, when I was first learning offensive line play at, at Tulsa um, and, and I got a chance, you know, to, to be the assistant line coach, it was awesome because, you know, we didn't have a lot of managers and guys that were helping us out at Tulsa. So I was like, coach, I'll, I'll be the QB back there. And I loved it because I would, I would get the snap and then I could move around. It was, you know, decently athletic, but at the same time I I could be watching for, for different things that the D line would be doing. So it was a great aspect for me to also be coaching, but at the same time, the the defensive guys loved it because I was running around. If a guy went inside, you know, I'd, I'd slide to the outside. I'd be throwing it. And they'd be able to give those, those guys feedback. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. And not to mention, it's probably a little bit of fun, too. And coaching should be fun. we got to have fun with the guys, too. Hell, yeah, it was fun. I could talk smack and say, yeah, that was a completion. And then there's other times, and Harper knows the guy, Tyron Walker, he, he could grab me with one hand and lift me up off the ground. I mean, that guy was, was super strong. So there's a couple times I'm like, Man, I, I better have my I better have my release ready to rock and roll too. But like you said, it was all in good fun, and the guys could talk a little smack. But at the same time, I mean, I, I loved it because I, I would be able to start to see you know cheats that they might have. He might be a little bit tighter, or where his hand placement was going to be, or you know, or where his set was going to be. Whereas maybe the the old line coach who was standing 
on the other side might not be able to see that. So, so having two sets of eyes was awesome because you could have a couple of coaching points right away, right here. Or I could even tell the D line, like, dude, you, you tip in, you're tipping your counter. Like, Oh man. Okay. You know, yeah. so, I mean, it was, it was awesome. I loved it. Absolutely. And the cool thing is, is you're both at different angles too. So you might, like you said, kind of, you might see something the other coach did not. So that's always nice. Coach, you, you talk about having a plan, you know, in some of that pass rush. Cause like you said, you'd, you'd like for them to be third and, and, you know, five or more. And that way you, you guys kind of know it's going to be a pass or there's a good percentage when you are, you know, you have a plan, uh, is the second move a plan or is the second move something that comes? You know, I, I've always been, um, as a dumb offensive line coach uh, or offensive lineman, you know, I've always been thought it was crazy that, you know, two sacks for a defensive lineman um, is, a I would assume, a great day. You know, they get that every game. Now they've got, you know, 24 sacks on the year. That's a, that's a great season um, where it almost seems like they could be setting up that second move half the time or more than, you know, and 90% of the time they could be setting up for that second move. Is the second move for you guys as you coach it, is that something that, hey, I'm setting up, I've got a plan, I'm going to hit the second move now? Or is it something that you read and react to to go to the second or third move? I think that depends on the level of the guy. You okay. know, like, like I said, we're, we're always working to mastery. So early on, they're planning that second move. Like I want them to say, hey, if this happens, even if it's just talking to me, you know, say, hey, if this happens, what are you doing? And you just kind of cement those things into your brain. You build those fast connections, and then it starts becoming automatic and a feel thing. You know, the good pass rushers feel it a lot of times. Now, obviously, the offensive line gives you hints. So depending on how he reacted the last play, that gives me a hint that I'm. it might be time to use a counter and stuff like that. But like I said, the the best guys feel it because, again, it goes back to those rules because that offensive lineman's good too. You know, he might do different things or they might have different schemes or he might have felt that he overset a little bit. So I don't want to just go into it looking to do that move. I want to be able to react to it always. But like I said, it's kind of a building process. That's what, Honestly, in, in just that whole process as you're describing it, to me that, that was one of my favorite things about coaching offensive line. What, what I mean, a lot of guys hate one-on-one -on -one pass rush. I, I loved one-on-one -on -one pass rush just for the simple fact that there was like it was so much. It was almost it was like play, you know. There's just so much where it's like experimenting, trying new things. You know, there's competition. There's there's oh man, I I got to try this or I got to fix this. And there's so many little coaching points and one-on-one -on -one work that I, I to me that was like that was like the essence of like football where it's like. There's going to be some times, man, you're all, all, all out on an island all by yourself and, and, and you get it right, and there's other times you're going to look completely foolish. And, I, and to me, it's, <laughs> and it's thinking. Yeah, and I, but I think it's – I like it's the all, thinking side of it. Yeah, I just, I, I, that, I just loved that, that whole aspect of it. You know, and the same, like you're saying, you know, hey, what do you think he's thinking now? You just killed him with your speed rush. What do you think he's going to do now? You know, and I, just those little mm -hmm. conversations you could have, you know, you tell him like, hey, man, you just jump set him. You know, what do you think, do you think he's going to do now? Hey, maybe now you just flash your hands, see if you can get him to show his hand, you know. So, I mean, I, I loved that aspect of coaching offensive line just because I thought it was, you know, kind of like that little chess match like you've described. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, you guys are probably the opposite for me because, like I said, towards the end of the year, I want it to be as hard as possible. So, when it's just a period for individual, I'm never going to give them a situation where it's third and long. 
I want them being in bad situations. So I want them thinking run and getting a pass set, and now they have to get a good pass rush. Whereas for offensive linemen, you guys are probably looking for those opportunities to go against the D-line and say, hey, it's third and long. I want you to know that you're pass rushing. I want you to come off and give me the best you got so I can be the best. You know, it's kind of like we talked about earlier, finding ways to make great competition. I want to make the games easy. <laughs> That's exactly right. And, and just like you said, you know, as a, for an offensive line coach, I want my guys to have seen something so many times that their body reacts to it. You know, there's, there's times when I watch one-on-one pass pro and I can tell my guys he's coming inside right now, and they do. And, and I honestly don't have a great reason for knowing that. And when I was playing, I didn't always have a great reason. I knew that something was coming. I, it's just something that my brain had seen it 150 times and pattern recognition, my hands and my body just started going towards something and boom, that's what happened. And, and uh, that doesn't happen until you get just a ton of reps. And so uh, uh, I love, just like Walls, I love one-on-one. And then like you said, coach, one-on-one pass pro, like you said, uh, I want them to know it's third and long. Everyone knows it's a pass. Um, and so come on and get it because if we can, we can start setting some of that stuff down. Then when it's in a game, it gets uh, exponentially easier for us. Absolutely. And the reverse of that is my guys not knowing it's passed because, you know, when I'm a read and react guy, Mm -hmm. they have to be able to figure out on that first step, hey, I just got to pass that. This changes everything. You know what I mean? So they have to react on that first step, start working back wide, giving themselves space. And that's tough. You know, a lot of times you see in those situations, uh, D linemen will go, if they're a read and react team at least, they'll go and put their hand straight on the guy. I'm like, oh, no, that is not what <laughs> yeah. we want. So you really have to slow it down and teach them how to react. And I learned a lot of stuff from the offensive line guys too. And I, I have coached offensive line and I love it. But I love what Charles Bentley is talking about where instead of taking a certain length step or anything like that, the drive catch stuff. You know, I kind of translate that to defense. And that first step, it changes what type of pressure I have on that foot and where I'm driving, you know? So it kind of gave me a whole new way to coach that. And that's really helped a lot. I, uh, that, that was honestly, we, when we were, when I was coaching at Jinx and in working with, with coach Isham, our D line coach, that, that was his favorite thing to do. So we, we'd go, you know, an offensive emphasis day cause we had crossover dudes too. And we go like a defensive emphasis day. So when it was my day, I told him, I'm like, hey, I, I want, you know, they're, they're a shade team and they're coming off the ball. So that's what I want for one-on-ones. And then he was like, hey, these guys hardly throw the ball. And it was perfect for us because then I would just be calling our stuff. So it's like you were saying, it'd be block recognition. So he's like, hey, they're big, you know, zone double combo, and then they'll throw some play action. So I just be able to use our terminology and tell our guys the play. So it's like, hey, we're, we're, running, we're running Bronco. Or, hey, it's, it's, it's sword or shield, it's a pass. And having those guys be able to, like you said, react to when now it could be a run, it could be getting down block, it could be anything, and all of a sudden the guy throws a pass set and it turns into to one-on-ones. That, honestly, you know, knowing what he wanted, I'm like, this is a great drill for us. Like, we need to do this every week, and we got a lot better doing it. Absolutely, I guarantee it. And, and like I said, it's all about making it as hard as possible. But the trick to that is not necessarily preaching that it's hard to the kids, you know. Sometimes we talk about it, but we talk about our expectation is we're going to do hard things. So, yes, I understand that, you know, a team who doesn't throw, who's throwing a play action on first down, that is hard to get a good pass rush. 
no excuses, no explanations. We still got to do it. We have those hearts, those high standards, because I think a lot of times those kids will live up to those high standards. But when you start giving them, you know, kind of a break, like, oh, that is hard, buddy. You'll get them next time. No, we got to have the high standards. Exactly. Not not trying to be a jerk to them or anything, right. but we it's never true. let them cop out. That's exactly right, Coach. Well, Coach, kind of kind of rolling up on an hour now, um, but the last thing I always like to ask guys, uh, and it's especially cool for defensive line guys or defensive coordinators, is when you're on film and you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line, Coach? Well, I got a few things that I always – well, things that show me that, but things I also just really like to see, too, from a good offensive line. So, first off, it's it's about the whole offensive line and not one guy. You know, some guys will look at one player who's really, really good and say, oh, they got a great offensive line. Well, that's not really good. They got a good guy. That doesn't say much about the coaching, if that makes sense. Right, um, yes. So, I'm looking for consistency across the board, you know, consistency with footwork. You know, that's coaching consistency with being physical being physical to me is not necessarily okay that guy's a freak and he's dominant but you can be physical every play even though you're not dominant doing things the right way being a hard-nosed football player so I'm looking for that across the board but uh so this is run the power and I love power it's literally my favorite uh run play favorite play on offense period um but I love seeing a good pull wrap so when those guys can do that really well, I feel like that's a great sign for an offensive line because I hate it when you see guys overrun. Well, you know, as a defensive guy, I love seeing it when they overrun that linebacker and kind of get out of, get out of the way. But when they come tight and can really go inside out on that linebacker, that's a special offensive lineman in high school, I feel like. That's right, man, keeping, you, keeping it in a gap. Short, shortest distance to the goal line. That's it. Well, Coach, man, it's been a blast. Like I said, I, I love having the uh, the defensive line guys on. Um, I've I've been lucky in my coaching career to, to work with so many guys that were awesome D line coaches and and really really worked with you when you were on the other side. And, and just that camaraderie and the the ability to to kind of use that whole adage of iron sharpens iron. You see both of those sides of the ball, you know, get along and and get really really good at technique and and push each other. Uh, to me, that that's just kind of like the cornerstone or the heartbeat of any good team. So I always have a blast talking with the D-line guys, man. Appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Do you mind if I give a little shameless plug real quick? Go of course. Um, all right. So I have a book. It's on Amazon. You can get a Kindle version or paperback. Uh, it's titled Outside Shades because that's my, mainly what we play. I really might have sold myself short a little bit because a lot of it translates to any type of defensive line play. But I really wanted to be able to break down and see the benefits of playing outside shades and to break down what you're going to see, so the types of plays that affect outside shades and stuff like that, what offensive coordinators would, would like to do to you. So if you get a chance, I'd love whoever would like to to kind of take a look at that book, Three ninety nine, the Kindle version, and nine ninety nine, the paperback version. And please let me, know, let me know what you think about it. I'm on Twitter, so you can reach out to me at Z Leonard 54. So I'd, I'd love to hear from everybody. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. 
Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.